Welcome to the Mind Your Body podcast. My name is Jenny Helms, and I'm an emotional eating coach and marriage and family therapist. I help people address the roots of their disordered eating and body image issues. I'm Lisa Perkins, owner of Primal Transformations. I'm a certified personal trainer and precision nutrition coach. I use a paleo framework to help clients transform their health, body, and life. The Mind Your Body podcast is all about empowering you to live your best life. We aim to grow a community of empowered women who are ready to transform their health and lives using a real approach that is all about getting back in touch with ourselves and not fueled by self-loathing. This journey requires a healthy dose of humor, perspective, and self-compassion. Our goal for this podcast is to help you achieve sustainable results that you get to keep. Please remember, the following podcast is not intended to be a substitute or implied to be medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with your healthcare provider when making changes to your diet and lifestyle. Welcome to the show. This is a Mind Your Body podcast, episode number 20, Doing the Work, part three. How you doing? Pretty good. Good. Pretty good today. I am loving that we have sunshine. Yeah, me too. Spring is one of my favorite times of the year. This has seemed like a long winter to me. Yeah. I don't know why, but... Yeah, it's funny. Growing up in Alaska, winter was like most of the year, but I've gotten so spoiled living down here. I'd rather just skip it all together, if yeah. I'm honest. I'm like, I can do two weeks and then I'm ready for spring yeah. again. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but, you know, I've talked to some of my clients about this, and so I know I'm not the only mm. one, but I definitely come back to life mm. in the spring. I just mm. have more energy. I'm more obviously excited to get outside, but I just want to do more things in general. Mm. I go into hibernation mode. Mm-hmm. And well, and right, it's kind of funny because right at this point in the year where it's starting to transition to spring is really where you'll see people be in more of a funk because they've been going through winter for so long and right. some of that seasonal affective disorder stuff yeah. can kick in, which I think honestly impacts all of us to mm-hmm. one extent or another. But um, I, I but yeah, couldn't agree more. You know, sure. I, you know, the 10 years before I moved down here, I lived out in rural Alaska. And I'll tell you, this was such a huge issue out there and not to be morbid, but this is the time of year that suicides were definitely on the uptick, you know, which is, it is, it's counterintuitive to what you would think. And for myself, you know, I've used one of those happy lights, the full spectrum lights in the wintertime to help address that. And I even have one here. Mm -hmm. So just to get you know, a little bit of that benefit, but there's no substitute for the real thing. Right. So, yeah. So I hope all of you guys out there are um, experiencing some warm weather and some green on the trees and yeah. yeah. And able to kind of get outside and yep. soak up some of the sun now. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Sure. Yeah. This is a fun time of year. Awesome. Yeah. So we are on the third part of, of a three part series about doing the work. This is a really important like topic for us to cover because we there's so many different components to this. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to originally put this into one podcast. Can't even imagine. And it's kind of we're laughing about that now because I even think our last podcast was over an hour long of just, you know, part of this um, part of this doing the work topic. And so there's just so much meat in this that we wanted to make sure we broke it up for you guys and really did these different parts justice. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and today we're going to be talking about the relational part, 
which to me is really exciting because mm-hmm. I love talking yeah, this about is definitely <laughs> the system stuff area, and relationships. For so, sure. Yeah. But, but I, just to backtrack a little bit, why are we talking about doing the work, right? This isn't about challenging people to work harder. It's about getting clear on what might be inadvertently holding you back from doing the work that you want to do, right? right? Or, you know, striving towards goals that are important to you. We're not really often aware of some of the parking brakes that are subconsciously holding us back. And so that's why we've broken this out into three parts. And if you haven't already done so, we do encourage you to go back and listen to part one and part two of this series. And, you know, part one, we talked about setting realistic and compelling goals, identifying, you know, what you need to do to achieve those goals and really creating that empowered mindset that's going to help you consistently do the work. And then in part two, we dug into the stories that we tell ourselves that can keep us stuck and mm-hmm. how to move past that negative self-talk that I think we all have to some degree mm-hmm. and start to build belief in ourselves, trust in ourselves, and maybe have peace with the pr- focusing on the process mm-hmm. versus being anxious about when I will achieve the goal. Right. Right. So if you haven't listened to those, please do go back and do so, you know, the, the uh, topic that we're digging into today is a standalone topic. So you don't have to listen to those two to listen today, but, but we encourage it because the other, the process of things and actually getting the nuts and bolts of how to set goals is very important to this process as well. Yes. Um, but this today, I feel like we're going to go into something that's a little bit, um, I think deeper and sometimes the issue or the, it's sometimes the parking brake that I think people don't realize is really occurring in their lives because it can be just so subtle and insidious. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes, even when I work with this with clients, it's like they're always just like, well, what does my family, what do my relationships have to do with me accomplishing this thing? Right. And, you know, once we kind of dig into it, they're like, oh, yeah, I didn't realize how much of an influence they had on my life. But, so good. you know, we're not born in a vacuum. Right. 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 Absolutely. And we so, are social creatures. Yes. And so. Right. And we feel uncomfortable when we are behaving markedly different than the people around us. Right. And especially if it's real different than how we were raised. Absolutely. So. And yeah, and our family has such a profound influence on just kind of the tools that we come into this world with and the beliefs we come into this world with and then kind of the people that we will tend to gravitate towards and surround ourselves with and kind Mm -hmm. of again reinforce those beliefs right and so that's just something for us to kind of you know that's part of this process that we're trying to take a look at today as we go through all these different um subtopics right so it isn't always a negative influence, you know, no. that other people exert over us, right? It can be both positive or neutral or negative. And, you know, the key is for us to be able to get clear on how our social network or maybe even our childhood may be impacting our behavior so that we can leverage that or at least not be blindsided. Right. You know, awareness again for the win. Right. And I think, I mean, you made a great point that I think that it's, it's not always positive or negative or neutral, that it's like usually a mixture of all sure, of the above, right? And so yes. if we can kind of just um, be able to separate that out and see, okay, what, what's good about this mm-hmm. and then what's bad about it, right? Seeing the right. Both, both pieces of it right. as we look at it. I love that. Yeah. So we 
have a series of questions that will help you get a better sense for how your family of origin, the family you grew up in, and how your current social network, your kind of adult family, your friends, your colleagues, how their approach to food, exercise, and health in general, again, we need to get clear on what those views are and kind of how they're living, and then we want to see what the patterns are and see if that works for us and and what we can do to kind of subtly make adjustments within that. So we've got Mm -hmm. four questions that we're going to go through. Um, And again, we'll have this in the show notes, but we want to go through and discuss these. And again, this is to help you build awareness and then kind of a toolkit. Yep. So the first one is, what does your primary social activity consist of? Um, We're talking about, you know, your gatherings. Are they focused around food, drinks, hobbies? Um, Do you guys go out outside and do things? Do you spend time, a lot of time together as a family, you know, talking about how things are going? You know, what does that actually look like? Mm -hmm. Because I think that, you know, a lot of us I know can get into this routine of maybe like going home and watching Netflix with our family or just doing certain events or all of our social gatherings we're starting to realize revolve around food or alcohol. I feel like that's another one that a lot of people can kind of resonate with. Um, And so we're just trying to kind of have you ask yourself that question and really see, okay, when I am connecting with people, what are we doing as we connect? Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that is interesting because I think for many of us, food is kind of the social glue or alcohol. Mm-hmm. And so we sort of forget that we could potentially do other things together, right. whether it be engage in hobbies or go camping or go hiking or, you know, go on a family bike ride or something like that. So I think that's, you know, it's just important to get clear on what the norm is, not Mm -hmm. just for your family, but for your social circle. You Mm -hmm. know, what do we tend to do together? And again, why are we talking about this? Because maybe you have a health goal. Mm -hmm. Well, that may be tricky. Yeah. You know, if everyone is meeting at Carabas every Friday, you know, and then having wine and, you know, of course you can make that work, but you know, again, what may be holding you back. Right. And I think that definitely can be hard in the sense of, you know, obviously people are like, well, I could bring my own food or I could bring Mm, this, but that is, I mean, that's really tough. I mean, even as somebody who's kind of further in this journey, it still can be tough to be like, all right, I'm going to bring my own thing and do Mm -hmm. my, you know, even though I have a stronger sense of myself in that, Then, especially at the beginning, because I think, you know, at the end of the day, as humans, we're going to choose connection over a health goal. Right. We are. Because that's going to be intrinsically more motivating to us. Right. And to be honest, I want to be real clear for myself. I mean, the research shows that our social connection is the biggest predictor of our health outcomes, our longevity. Mm -hmm. So social connection is more important than macros, right? you know, in general, right. for sure. We can do it, have both, right? but we have to be strategic about it. And mm-hmm. if we're not even aware that this is an issue, then how can we get in front of it? Right. Right. Absolutely. So, so that's the key. So we had kind of some action steps that we wanted to talk about. If you do want to maybe experiment, whether it's with your friends or your family, you know, what kinds of different things might you, you know, experiment, play around with? Mm -hmm. Well, you could engage in hobbies together. 
Um, <laughs> I like, I'm, I'm laughing as I'm reading this bullet point. It says you can just get together and hang out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, play Yahtzee. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I think that's just such a good point because we were, when we were building this list, we were talking about even what we will do together. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we just get together and we just hang out. It's, it's not like we've necessarily planned an event or, um, food or anything like that. Mm-hmm. We're just like, Hey, I want to see your face for an hour or so. (laughs) But, you know, I will say that I feel like as a society, we have so moved away from those kind of informal Mm -hmm. get-togethers. And that's one of the things that I miss about rural Alaska is people will just show up at our door. Mm -hmm. You know, there was no pretense about our house having to look a certain way or you having to look a certain way. Like people are just there and they just want to hang out. And now there's just so much more planning and you know, I've had friends that I'm trying to get together with for a month mm, and it's, yeah. the calendars, you know, it's not like you just go knock on their door and go flop on their couch. Right. Right. Which mm. is, you know, kind of what we're talking about, but I would argue, let's push that envelope a little bit mm-hmm. to maybe let our guard down in terms of, do we have to have our highlight reel? Can we not have a friend over to have coffee or just hang out and talk? You know, does our house have to be perfect for them to be able to come over? Right. Or, yeah, do we have to think of some fun event? I think people are really addicted to, like, you know, there's that whole FOMO thing, fear of missing out, Mm -hmm. or the, like, I have to do all the fun events. And, you know, there's always a million events that people can do, but there's there's some quality to just being able to hang out with somebody that Mm -hmm. I think you're right, is missing more in our modern day society. Yeah. And, and again, kind of going, not trying to dog on social media, but I think that we can get that false sense that we are socially connected mm-hmm. when it's not authentic face to face. Right. Well, connection. and we can't check in about being on your couch. So good point. Yeah. If you can't <laughs> check in, it didn't we happen. We should just take a picture yeah. and check in. We should. We're just hanging out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, yeah my couch covered in daisy hair. Yes. It's pretty uppity around here. <laughs> tell you. Absolutely. What else? What so, else can we do? You know, just go into the park. Like say you have a friend that's got kids. Can you grab your kids or your dog and go to the park together? Again, it does not have to be some formal Pinterest board event. Just go just hang go. out and, you know, again, push the envelope of informality, of last minute plans, of being willing to be brave to reach out to other people at the last second and say, hey, I've got an hour, you know, do you want to go for a walk or whatever it is? I think that there is that a little bit latent fear of rejection Mm -hmm. that we don't want to reach out to people if we're not sure they'll say yes. Mm -hmm. And especially as adults, we've talked about this, how making friends or deepening friendships as adults, I think feels a little more risky. Yep. So again, this isn't a podcast about Mm -hmm. making friends, but... I think it's an important component. Yeah. Well, you know? and to, I actually, so I was talking about this literally this morning with one of my clients. And I think if you are having issues with this and maybe some of your subconscious beliefs around mm-hmm. um, wanting to protect yourself from rejection and that people aren't trustworthy, mm-hmm. you know, in some capacity, that maybe that's a good opportunity for you to do some deeper work. I mean, yeah. not that we're going to go into good that point. in this podcast, but this might be a like, hey, I, I should, I might want to check in about that if I find that. I'm not wanting to mm-hmm. just go ask people to go do things yeah. because... And, and I think it's important to remember everyone likes being asked. 
Mm-hmm. They do. There's not anyone that's going to say, oh my gosh, why did she invite me to go for a walk or to go have coffee? Right. No, people love being asked. Yeah. And so, and it shows that you're a confident person, mm-hmm. you know, so sometimes we have to fake it till we make it, you know, but push that envelope a little bit and you will very likely get good responses Yes. over time. And I do think that social connection is just absolutely the key. You know, it's just so, so important. So, okay. So, you know, another one you'd brought this up last time and I thought this was so good is to check out classes and groups that are focused more on kind of active hobbies or wellness activities, you know, like a hiking club, you know, they're all the Mm meetup.com has every kind of club you could imagine. And Mm -hmm. that's a great way to meet people that have similar interests or interests that you would like to explore. So, you know, a walking group or a yoga class, if you're not wanting to, you know, join a group, a meditation group, something like that, where kind of the vibe is people wanting to upgrade their health in some area. This isn't like going to a boot camp class or something Mm -hmm. where, you know, that's, that's kind of not what we're talking about, but, but that is a way to meet people who also care about their health. Yeah. And and wellness. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, and like the yoga and meditation group being, you know, they're probably going to be people that are wanting to be more aware in their lives mm-hmm. and have a an actually healthy health journey because we talked about that piece right. as well, how, you know, we, we're not saying, hey, go sign up and be part of a bikini model contest because we don't right. know that those people are necessarily, I mean, again, we're not trying to like say everybody in that space isn't, but you know, in our experience, it hasn't always been a healthy thing for people. Right. And, and that's so not really find, fostering connection. It isn't. Anyway. Right. So. And so we, yeah, we're, we're talking about groups that foster connection and going outside of the group and being deeper friends, mm-hmm. not just like, Hey, can we sweat together? Right. Exactly. And so we're also talking about, you know, the whole point of this question is things that you can do with her, your current group of friends as well, or individual friends and your family, your kids, Mm -hmm. you know, that we're talking about, okay, what would you guys like to do? And just experimenting with different things. But yeah, we're not talking about, oh, I need an accountability group so that I won't be lazy. Right. That's definitely not what we're talking about. I think it is such a gift to start to view living an active life as play. Mm Mm-hmm that it doesn't have to be exercise or that you're huffing and puffing. Right. You know, I love to go out with my husband and play badminton or play Frisbee. (laughs) I am not good at either one, (laughs) but I really enjoy that. I think that's fun to just, you know, hang out and, you know, play cornhole or whatever. And it's just, you know, how can we be active in a way that, you know, doesn't feel like work or punishment? Yeah, no, absolutely. I played some dodgeball this week, actually, at my gym. I wouldn't like that either. <laughs> I, the no, record, well, the, the funny I part have is, bad memories of that I game. have like such bad hand eye coordination, so I definitely did not hit any person, but it was so fun. That's awesome. Once I just like let myself not be self conscious, because sure. of course I was, and um, because I'm not very good at anything with hand eye coordination, but I was like, you know what, I'm gonna put myself out there and I'm just gonna. Yeah. Just going to play some dodgeball. Yeah. And we laughed and we you know, had fun. And I think you hit the nail on the head, though, is that as adults, we don't feel comfortable being a beginner. Yeah. Like, if I was, didn't get good at this by my teen years, 
then I'm not going to try that. Right. And it is, you know, kind of checking in with ourselves. Is my ego preventing me from saying yes to that invitation to go bowling Mm -hmm. or whatever, because maybe you've never done it or you're not good at it. And we need to be able to laugh at ourselves a little bit. And, you know, we're not out there trying to win. Right. Well, and if people need video footage of me playing dodgeball That's to feel awesome. some I think confidence, that go along with this podcast. I really <laughs> then like that. Uh, you know what? I will do that for you because, yeah, I think you're absolutely right that it is uncomfortable to be a beginner as an adult, and mm-hmm. that a lot of adults feel that way of like, oh, mm-hmm. but I'm not good at it, and yeah. it's like. That's that's every beginner, right? Yeah. And I think there's something so great about somebody who's able to just kind of like put that to the side because we all have that part mm-hmm. of ourselves that's like, what are you doing? You're crazy. You're going to look like... Right. You're going to look dumb, right? right. Um, and if you're able to put that to, to the side for just a little bit and kind of be in the moment and try to have fun... Um, and, know, the, and the reality is helpful. that nobody's looking at us. No. I mean, that's, you know. Maybe some of my friends were to make fun of me, but like, and you know, but at the end of the, in a loving way, but at the end of the day, like looking back on it, I'm like, I'm so glad I did that. Even though I still totally didn't make any points for my team. I think I was actually the first out on like five of the rounds. Um, but I still had a lot of fun. And so looking back, it wasn't about me being good. It was just a matter of getting out there and trying yeah. something different. Yeah, pushing our comfort zone a little bit and being willing to just have fun and laugh and realize this isn't, we're not trying to join a competitive sports team. I mean, we're maybe. just hanging out. Well, you never <laughs> know. I'm not trying to crush your dreams over here. <laughs> I didn't, didn't mean, yeah. We'll no, but that's a good that point. Later. So, what's the okay. second question that we can ask okay. ourselves? So, the next one is, Get getting a little bit more clear on a, your family's culture around food. Oh, wait, is that the? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So we we touched on this a little bit about you know do all your social occasions revolve around food? Even a bigger one is affection and reward, often food related. You know, I definitely had clients that. Anytime there was a thing to celebrate or there was something sad that happened or disappointing, food was always the thing mm-hmm. that, you know, was the go-to. And first of all, we just need to kind of get clear about that. I also mm-hmm. had a client who was from the South mm-hmm. and definitely, South. yeah, that Southern <laughs> tradition of, mm-hmm. you know, not only do all the social occasions revolve around food, but love you know, mm-hmm. yes, like if you're not eating mama's fried chicken, then mm-hmm. you are not just rejecting the chicken. Let's yep. get clear, right? So we need to understand, okay, did I grow up with that, that food equals love or food equals that bomb for a, you know, hurt feelings or something like that? We have to understand those subconscious beliefs and whether we've kind of carried that into our adult family or tribe or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and even that, um, just to kind of bring that Southern thing a little further, I had a roommate that I remember when she would go, I think it was to her boyfriend's family's house for Thanksgiving and she was a healthy weight. Um, they would always say that she was too skinny mm-hmm. and that she needed to eat more. And they were like pushing food in front mm-hmm. of her. Yeah. And so it was almost part of their culture too, to be like, you have to be a certain weight mm-hmm. or, you know, we're worried you're not eating or, you right. know, there is a lot of different like subliminal messages mm-hmm. that get tied into those meals. And so, um, yeah, just being aware of what was that like for me and my family growing up? 
Right. What were those and so, really subconscious you know, messages? Well, kind of going right into the action steps, because this is a good way to, to discuss this, but a big one would be, you know, did you grow up with the clean plate club? Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. Because so many of us carry that into adulthood that it feels really awkward. Yes. To not, you know, finish all the food on our plate that, you know, and a corollary to that is that we feel like we can't throw away junk food. Like if someone brings home, you know, cookies or whatever, that if we have some, we can't throw the rest of the package away. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's a big thing to get clear on. And that is a big piece of my coaching is understanding that free in air quotes, free food is not free. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, Like whether it's at your office or at a buffet or at a party, I think we can have a little bit of anxiety if we don't take that food. We feel like, gosh, Mm. we're being wasteful. Right. If we don't, yeah, if Mm -hmm. we don't have some of it, but you know, as you, as you said, in one of our conversations, our body is not a garbage can, Mm -mm. first of all. And you know, we want to kind of upgrade our expectations of what we're worthy of. But also, I think most of us have spent quite a bit of money trying to either lose weight or regain our health. Mm-hmm. Right? So yeah. that free food or eating all of that food on your plate beyond your capacity, that that's costly. It is. You know, that you're going to have to pay for that later. And that takes practice. All of this takes practice to be able to say no to the, you know, food in the break room. Right. It does. It do- And I think it just takes changing that mentality because I think you're right. Like if you have that mentality, if mm-hmm. that's just your go-to in your brain, you're not even going to second guess, like, you know, saving that pizza and having the rest of it later. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you want to save money. And again, I'm putting this in air quotes. Right. Um, and that it's wasteful to put it away, right? right? And that's just going to be your default. Whereas if you realize that, okay, you know, maybe I had a little bit of this and now I kind of want to move on to adding in more healthful foods to the rest of my day or whatever that looks like for you, um, that you won't, that you're not going to be holding on to things as mm-hmm. much. And you're not going to be in that scarcity mentality that you're w- wasting food of some sort. Right. Or that you have to have food because it's free. Right. You know, it's just a different, it's a completely different mentality. Yeah. And I think it goes back to what we talk about with all of our choices is owning the entire experience. Mm-hmm. So it's not, we're not just in the moment saying it would cost me $2 to throw this pizza away. Right. How much will it cost you to eat all the junk food leftovers or all the free food in the break room, right? right? How much will that cost you in terms of your health, your sense of integrity with yourself, mm-hmm. with being able to follow through on your goals, mm-hmm. right? Those are very short-term choices, right? not owning the whole experience. So again, just kind of getting clear on what your subconscious beliefs are around that and starting to create that sunlight, mm-hmm. you know, owning that pause, in the moment, if, you know, they're handing out free sandwiches at the office meeting, Mm -hmm. you know, yes, it's free in the moment. It doesn't cost you money, but it's not free. Mm -hmm. So that can, I think, be a powerful, you know, shift. Absolutely. And I think, you know, just another little thing to add on to that is not only in the sense of money, is it not free, but like, you know, for a lot of people, it can, 
you know, they can have reactions after they eat it oh, that absolutely. they're just not really thinking about. Oh, yeah. You know, and so I'm thinking about, okay, so what kind of productivity is that maybe costing you if you're feeling lethargic or That's if you go good. through like a sugar crash, right? It's, you know, it's just one of those things to think about where I didn't really um, connect with that until I realized I had issues with gluten. Mm-hmm. Um, and once I was like living a different life, I was like, man, I'm just getting a lot more done right. and I just feel different. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that was what was more motivating, even more so than like the, the financial piece of it. Right. Absolutely. But, but again, kind of going back to the, the question here of our, what is kind of the culture you were raised with around food mm-hmm. and that you may have carried into adulthood, you need to get clear on that first before you can start asking these more nuanced questions like you are, mm-hmm. you know, like, okay, what is kind of has been driving my choices Right. You know, in the past and then start to say, yeah, I'm an adult now. I get to decide if this sugar cookie is worth it, mm-hmm. you know, in, in terms of how I feel. So. Absolutely. So. The other, the other piece of it is that we could use our time together, you know, rather than with food to celebrate and show our affection um, to each other and use, like have reward be something other than food. And I think that another thing part of this is, um, you know, as you're going through this journey, sometimes people will make these rewards around food with their health achievements. And so that's another area that it's like, okay, so if we can figure out ways that we can reward each other by, you know, again, those other love languages, Mm -hmm. right? Because we have so many other ways of showing our affection. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we could give other thoughtful gifts that don't revolve around food. We could do a kind act of service. We could, cuddle people. <laughs> I'm just, My favorite I'm, word. Her favorite word is cuddle, yeah, everybody. Yeah. Um, no, we could, we could be affectionate with people. I mean, obviously yeah. in appropriate venues and ways. Um, but, you know, we could, we could tell people how much we appreciate them and what we notice about them, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. And, I, and again, if, if you were raised in a family where, you know, food was used as a reward, I think the first step is to do your best not to perpetuate Perpetuate that that. cycle Mm -hmm. with your own kids and to, you know, have, have other, you know, spending time with your kids. That's the best way you can reward them or do fun activities together. But again, the first step is getting aware of, do we use food to celebrate or to comfort or as a sign of affection? Is that kind of our only tool? Mm-hmm. And can we start to expand that repertoire a little bit? Mm. So I was just thinking about this because I'm like, wow, this is really interesting in um, terms of when you're talking about reward, are you also talking about how I've seen this happen a lot with parents and I'm not trying to like downplay parents because I'm not one and I know parenting is really hard. Um, but I see, I've see i seen a lot of parents who do the whole, you know, if you do this and you get ice cream. Exactly. Is that exa- That's is, what I'm okay, talking so that about. Is ex- yep. You know what? And I needed to connect those dots even in my own head because I was yeah. like, wow, okay. I've seen that so commonly. Mm, yeah. Wow. Okay. So that's like so a like, huge shift in our, right. in how we're doing things is like It really culture. is. It really is. And again, well, what does that set your kids up for? Mm. That food equals love, that food equals fun, that food mm. equals celebration. Right. And it's not broccoli. Right. Right. We're right. talking about hyper palatable, you know, sugary, fatty foods that aren't really health promoting. And again, that's not to denigrate those foods. Mm-hmm. But if that's the only way that we show that things are good 
mm-hmm. then that can get tricky in right. terms of their health outcomes and our own. Okay. And so just kind of expanding that list. Again, like I just made Easter baskets. Yeah, I put a little bit of candy in there, but I'm also putting in some fun lotions and some toys and, you know, art activities and that kind of thing. So it's not all about, you know, the candy. So it's right. just kind of adding. It's just more integrated, right? It's it more is. integrated with all these other different reward things so that not one thing is like, hey, this is reward. Exactly. It's like, hey, there's so many different options for that. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Perfect. I love that. Yeah, and then I think it is crucial to be open and willing to have conversations with your family, whether that's your parents and kind of your extended family or with your current adult family about your health priorities. Yes. You know, if you've got some goals, you need to communicate them, you know, because any changes that you make are going to impact the people around you. And so you might as well get in front of it and really make sure that they know that this isn't about you judging them or trying to change them or a rejection of them Mm -hmm. in any way that this is something I'm trying to do. And I just want to let you know that this is, this is important and hopefully they'll be supportive. You know, that will be an ongoing conversation because when anyone in a family or a social group makes a change, it does impact the other folks because Mm -hmm. that may make them, aware that maybe they want to make a change. And so that may make them defensive Mm -hmm. a little bit, you know, it can change the dynamic. And I think being willing to have calm conversations about it, not lectures or you don't have to go into massive detail, but just to communicate that stuff up front. Yeah. It's, and it is real. Yeah. It's very important because families will not like a family system itself will naturally fight for things to stay the same. Even if it's like, you know, things are the same and it's not a good thing, they'll still fight for that. They call it fighting for homeostasis, okay. kind of like our bodies fight for that. Right. Um, and so just to realize that some resistance is probably going to be part of this journey mm-hmm. with your family members mm-hmm. um, or people who are close to you, especially if you're living with, you know, I'm thinking of a single person versus, you know, somebody with a husband and kids. Right. It's going to look a little bit different for you, your journeys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely having a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. And then if you're already kind of in your journey, I think it's helpful to see, okay, are there maybe some ways where... I'm noticing this resistance. Like, Mm -hmm. is there anything coming up in my relationship or with my kids that, you know, might be kind of subtly influencing me? Because there's comments and things that maybe are said and some that are unsaid that can influence the way that people feel about this journey, whether or not they want to really continue it. Because we're going to fight to, again, keep especially our intimate relationships Mm -hmm. good, or in homeostasis, even if it isn't good. Um, And so if, especially if your partner or your spouse is pushing against your journey, it may be a little bit bit more difficult for you to go through this journey because that's, you're going to naturally fight to want to keep things well with you and your partner. And that's all of us. And your kids as well. And, and I definitely went through this when we shifted over to eating the way we eat now, it was a drastic change. And my kids were not little. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I'm not saying it's easy, but I think it is easier when your kids are young. And my kids were, I think, 10 and 13, something like that. So, you know, their eating preferences were well established. Mm -hmm. And part of it was explaining to them why we were 
eating differently and that helped, but it was also about making compromises. So definitely having healthier versions of the things they were familiar with around kind of healthier substitutes, that made a huge difference. And I wasn't necessarily eating those. So like you say, I did not allow that to influence my choices, Mm -hmm. but I was building that bridge. Right. I wasn't trying to make that decision for them Mm -hmm. because I felt like they were old enough that that wasn't really fair for me to do that. Obviously, I care about their health and I'm their mom. So, you know, I'm working around the edges. My biggest goal was not to create, you know, disordered eating with my daughters. Right. Right. So I'm not trying to create this restrictive mindset or, gosh, we eat this way at home. So I'm going to go get all the junk food on my own. Right. Behind mom's back. You know, my kids can bring junk food home. They don't have to hide it from me. I'm not over here judging or shaming them. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't buy it, but, you know, they're 16 and 20 now. And, you know, I feel like that's their decision. And I hope it's not the norm Mm -hmm. of what they're eating. And it isn't. but, But it is tricky, you know, with our kids. And I have had clients for sure that... Between the, you know, that we're in a, you know, married, in a marriage, and there was definitely tension. Yes. You know, whether it was from the husband or from the wife that, like you say, they wanted homeostasis. They wanted it to go back to being what they were familiar with over time and with good communication and with them seeing that, oh gosh, this food really does taste good. Things usually settle out, but not always. I did have a couple that it was the man I was working with Mm -hmm. and the wife was you know, an amazing cook and she wasn't comfortable Mm -hmm. and he did not continue. Right. So it doesn't always work out. But again, our, the whole goal for this is for you to build awareness so you can do with this information what you want. Right. Absolutely. And yeah. And to have some empathy that if that's part of your struggle that, you know, you're not alone in that and maybe seeking support for that would be helpful. Um, you know, I do, I will say on, on the other kind of bright side, I have this couple that I'm working with where they're both working on things. And I've, I've done this before with another couple system and it's just really cool to see when they are willing to do the work together. Mm -hmm. It's been a really cool thing. And I realize that that's more of the exception to the rule than the rule, you know? Yeah. And so for everybody else on planet earth, (laughs) here's, here's another way of looking at it and approaching it. Um, I love this next point because this is so crucial that we don't assume the responsibility of trying to change everybody in our family's behavior. Um, I've seen that be a big struggle for people because, again, they're going and (laughs) trying to change the whole system, the whole family, and feeling such um, resistance and struggle. And that's really, like, that's kind of a staying in your own lane kind of thing. I know that it's hard to see family members maybe struggle with this or not eat in ways that are healthy for them. Like it is very painful. And I've even had, you know, it's been a hard thing for me and my own family where I'm like, I want and wish better things for family members. But for myself, it has been such a healing journey to be able to let that go Yes. and to focus on being a good example and, you know, showing up in the ways that I can, um, and just letting them be where they are on their journey. Again, I know that's, that's a lot so harder much more said than inspiring yes, for people than to having. quietly lead by example for people to start to see how much better you're feeling and maybe how 
your mood is leveled out and your skin is clear and you're, yes. you know, all of the things, then people can make it their own idea mm-hmm. to start tinkering. And I do see this with clients. I, I've had several clients that I've worked with the wife for maybe three or four months before the husband started to want to make some changes. Yeah, too. but it was always, you know, it had to be on their own terms. And I do talk about this with clients is that you have to let them just kind of watch and notice and then they'll get buy in, you yeah. know, when they're ready. But the less you pester people, the more likely it is that they will, you know, start to be willing to make changes. You just can't push. And that is hard, especially if someone does have health issues. Yeah. But again, you know, especially if it's an adult, we just really have to stay in our own lane, eyes on our own journey. Yes, for sure. But yeah, it is, it is hard. And I want to acknowledge that because I know Mm -hmm. it's been a struggle for me too. And yes, Especially if, I mean, I feel like in other ways too, I've, I've wanted to control people's lives in the past. And there are sometimes where it still comes up in my life now where I'm like wanting to make people better in my opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? right, right. And then I'm actually doing that from a place of my own anxiety versus really just focusing on my own journey and doing my own work. Right, yeah. right. For sure. Yep. So the third question is, do those closest to you view their health as important? Not just, you know, like the weight component of it, but do they actually value health and being healthy? Is that important to them? Exactly. So that, I mean, that sounds trivial, but we've all been, at least I think so, been in social groups where people will say, oh, we're all going to die of something, Mm -hmm. you know, live for today, eat whatever you want. The other one that I hear all the time is, there's so much conflicting information out there. You never know what to believe. I'm just going to eat what I want to eat. Right. Right. And so it's not really, you know, sometimes we're around people that aren't really taking ownership and they're just living in a way that, you know, tech with it. Well, if problems come up later, we'll deal, you know, with, it we'll deal with it. So mm-hmm. again, the goal is to just get aware, gosh, what is the kind of general vibe of my family or my friend group or my colleagues you know, that's many, you know, the workplace environments can be very influential. Yes. And if it's, if everyone is working late, their only social interaction is drinking together after work, you know, everybody's bragging about how little sleep they got and ordering pizza whenever they have meetings. Yeah. Just understand that it's going to be a little bit trickier for you. Just in your own mind. Again, it's not that people are going to make you do anything, but I think in general, we want to level the playing field. Yeah. And so we're going to have to be strategic if we want to make healthy changes. And that's the environment that we're either living or working in. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And especially like if you're, we were kind of talking about this earlier, like if you're new to a company or, um, you know, new to a city or you've just changed, you know, locations, it's that much more of your you're more incentivized to want to fit in Mm -hmm. to that work culture. Exactly. And so that's when some of these health goals and initiatives are just going to kind of take, you know, they're going to go down in your priority list. And that's pretty natural. And how, how can you maybe balance some of that where you're not, again, we're not wanting people to go isolate because of their health stuff. That's the last thing we want. Um, 
However, we do want them to be able to be, you know, kind of health rebels in their own way and connect with people. I mean, I think that there are ways to do both. But I remember when I first moved even to Wichita and the the job that I had when I was first here um, at the mental health hospital, when I would bring my lunch, people would be like, ew, that's disgusting. And like, they literally would make these like faces at me. And I, you know... Luckily, I had enough buy-in in other areas that it was it wasn't a big deal. But I, I could definitely there was a part of me that was like, oh gosh, like, yeah. am I not going to fit in here with like all these other, you know, nurses and people that I was working with because of my food? You sure. know? Like, and that that is where you kind of have to get clear on your personality. Yeah, you know, are you someone who? wants to fit in and you feel a little more uncomfortable standing out in any way, then it might be a little more uncomfortable for you. I think for me growing up on an island in Alaska, it's like the vibe up there is everybody kind of does their own thing. Mm -hmm. So I think it's made it a little easier for me to just, yeah, somebody looks at my food weird. It's like, you know, I just kind of laugh about it or whatever. (laughs) And of course, you know, going back to the quote that I use all the time is eyes on your own plate. I think humor is invaluable in those situations. You're not giving somebody a, you know, PowerPoint lecture on why you're eating the way you are. (laughs) Right. You're not, not that everybody (laughs) doesn't want that. Of course (laughs) that can be later. (laughs) But you're also not getting all defensive or whatever. And, you know, again, like if you're going out with a group of girlfriends who, you know, they're all ordering fried food or, you know, whatever, and you order something that's a little bit healthier and they're sort of bugging you about it, that's where you just kind of joke around. Eyes on your own plate. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm doing what works for me. Yeah. End of conversation. Right. And... And I, I mean, I've used that personally and I've, yeah. I've, that's been something that, and I'm going to definitely say that you were the one to tell me that about that phrase first. And I love it. Um, because yeah, no, it's really, it's such a, like, it is such a great phrase to say. And I've never had anybody ever challenge that. Yeah. Ever. I mean, it's just, it it's is funny because we are social creatures and we can feel like someone is eating that salad at us. Mm-hmm. That somehow that implies judgment of our plate of French fries, right? When really it has nothing to do with us. And as long as they're not, you know, preaching at us, and we need to be careful not to do that to other people, right? You know, again, it's I know we've talked about many times is that that's a form of shaming, mm-hmm. and shame is not a motivational tool. It is not. Right. It's the opposite of motivating. Yeah. It is yeah. the it, exact opposite. I think somehow we get kind of confused about that, you know, mm. so. Well, and that's a good point of like, you know, because I know there's going to be these people out there too, where it's like, don't give people advice or preach to them about your health stuff yeah. if they're not asking for it. Exactly. I, you know, and again, I've done that before for sure, especially when I was first like working on my stuff. It was sure. like I would kind of overshare like sure. information and that wasn't yeah. helpful either to just like, you know, overshare and not really because I think again that was like they felt that sense of shame from me. Right. No, I I know I done it too. And I, you know, now if someone asks me, okay, why are you eating that? Or what do you do for exercise? I try to just answer the question they're asking. Yes. I don't view that as I just got my foot in the door. <laughs> now the Have PowerPoint. A seat. <laughs> Pull up a chair. You want Where to listen to uh, an episode of my podcast? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So just being careful not to 
inundate people with, you know, your epiphany about health. Because again, that's not motivating for people. It just turns people off. Right. And I think, you know, oftentimes people do that out of excitement and like from a really good place. But again, at least in my journey, I've learned that's not helpful. Yeah, no, for sure. But, but it's important to understand about yourself. If growing up, your parents ever shamed you around food, like the kinds of food you ate or how much your body or activity, like whether you were in sports or good at sports or not, then you may have be carrying some of that around yes. with you, right? And you may have some work to do in that area. But, it, you know, as we said before, do your best not to repeat that cycle with others. Right. Because it doesn't motivate them, either your kids or your friends or your parents, mm-hmm. anyone to pay attention to their health. Right. You know. Well, and another, just like another piece of that as well is if you're... <laughs> When you realize the shame, like narratives and the things that your parents used to, or maybe not your parents, but just people in your environment as you were growing up used to say, mm-hmm. um, you might even notice that you kind of do it with yourself now. Oh, that's such a good food. point. Um, I even was talking to a client about, it was something about cookies and somebody saying, oh, you know, fatty or whatever. Like, and they were making a joke and it wasn't intended to be like, hey, you're actually fat or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's something that resonates for her. So oh, when she yes. goes towards, you know, desserts, she'll kind of hear that mm-hmm. same message in her mind. And I like to, I like to let her know, I'm like, you know, as much as that sounds like your voice, it's not yours. You know what I mean? It's those people in your environment that, you know, again, you've kind of integrated that into your brain now as a, as a part of it, but that's not your voice. That's their voice. That is so, so important. And I also think that we need to be careful about how we talk about our bodies inside our head and to our kids. That just made me think of this. As a mom of daughters, I have been really careful to not, we don't have a scale. I don't talk about my body in that way. I mean, even when there have been times when I have maybe even thought that in my head before I'd kind of done some healing work on myself. Yeah. I don't talk about my body that way. I don't talk about their body that way. I talk about being strong, what our bodies can do, being healthy. But again, I don't, sometimes I think we use healthy as a code word mm-hmm. for thin, mm-hmm. right? Right. And so being really careful that I'm not, you know, sub subtly, I don't know what the word is, Jenny, you can help me out here, but without words saying that same thing. Right. 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 So I don't want to either verbally or non-verbally convey to my kids that your worth has anything to do with your, you know, appearance. Right. Or body composition or that kind of thing. But how we as parents talk about our bodies Mm -hmm. to our kids, or if, you know, if we're making a, a, dietary change or a lifestyle change, we need to be careful how we talk about that, even yes. around older kids Yes, about why we're doing that, Absolutely. right? Because that's what the voice they're going to carry, like you're talking about yes. as they go into adulthood. I mean, I just remember growing up around the adults in my environment, they were on every weird diet mm-hmm. known to man. And I just thought that was how mm-hmm. moms lived. Mm-hmm. Well, we're on the grapefruit diet now. That kind of thing. So, you know, again, doing your best to break that cycle in your own head for your benefit. Mm-hmm. But being, but you're also benefiting, yeah, your kiddos yeah, and yep. all the people around you when you yeah. do that. Interestingly, yeah. I feel like 
having daughters was such a catalyst for healing for myself Mm. because I knew then I did not want to repeat that internal shame, you know, I don't even know a positive word, but it's like this, (laughs) the word I was going to use is not what I'm going to say out loud, (laughs) but just felt like chaos in my head. And like, I'm not passing this on. So it's time for me to do my own work. Absolutely. Because I know you can pass that stuff on, you know, unconsciously, even if you're not using the words out loud. So, so getting aware of, of all of that and being careful not to shame others or, and obviously try not to shame yourself. Yeah. Well, I mean, not helpful. There's this quote, I think it was Dan Siegel that said it, um, that it was like, we cannot give to our kids what we have not given to ourselves. So true. And so, you know, this isn't just like, Hey, I'm going to talk about my kids and how great they are and their accomplishments, but then I'm going to go into my room and look in the mirror and totally hate on myself. Mm -hmm. Right. It's it's gotta be something that you do in your own life through and through. And of course, all of us are, I mean, nobody's, nobody's perfect in that. And so I just want to normalize that. Um, but to try to be aware of it and, you know, stop it when you can. Yeah. Why are we talking about this in a podcast about doing the work? Because that kind of shame is actually demotivating and it makes us feel like we can't, you know, upgrade our health. Mm-hmm. Right, that we can't do the work. It literally drives us back into our shame cave of inertia and, you know, lack of efficacy about our life. Right. So that's why we're talking about it here. So, so we have one more question here. I know we're we're kind of going on, but the last one is speaking of efficacy. Did you grow up with the sense that you can impact your health mm. by making lifestyle changes, or were you maybe brought up to believe that there's nothing you can really do? Uh, on your own without a doctor or medication to impact your health. And, you know, that's part of being in the driver's seat. Do you feel like you're in the driver's seat? Mm -hmm. You know, and that's, you want to get clear on that before you can, can make some changes. Absolutely. And, you know, the way that I like to look at that initially is to think about some of the really awesome science that has been coming out the last 10 to 15 years about epigenetics. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage anybody, like, you know, if, if you do want to d- delve deeper into mm-hmm. it, to look up the term epigenetics, which is EPI genetics. Mm-hmm. Um, and see how much that we're realizing that, yes, we do have a certain set of genes that we we're born with, yep. but that things can be turned on or off based on our environment. And this has been a big deal in the science community because right. for so long we've been arguing over the, like, is it nature or is it nurture? And yep. now we're like, it's both. Right. <laughs> so, Absolutely. So, so the way to think about that is, yes, genes load the gun, but your environment pulls the trigger. And what yes. do we mean by environment? So our environment is... Trauma, stress, our nutrition, our sleep, mm-hmm. exercise. For, for a lot of people, things like childbirth mm-hmm. can be the stressful event that can trigger like Hashimoto's or some other autoimmune condition. So that yeah. could be an environmental trigger that, you know, turns some gene on, yeah. right? But we have so much more impact over our health than we've ever known. Right. You know, we're just learning, as you said, we're learning more and more all the time about how much, you know, and that implies responsibility, right? There, We no longer have a get out of jail free card that, well, it's just in my genes. We all get diabetes in my family or whatever that health condition is. Again, that's not to say you should blame yourself if you get a disease that it was your fault or, you know, 
you didn't do something right. I mean, that's, that's not, you know, not to say it's just saying we have a lot more, uh, we can have a lot more impact than we've ever known right. in the past. And that should give you a feeling of hope and excitement. Right. Not shame or guilt. Right. You know. And that, you know, when things do occur, like there are some positive steps that we can take to make it at least a little bit less Absolutely. severe, even Absolutely. if we can't fully, you know, change right. it. And right. so I think that that's a hopeful message. Right. And it's oftentimes it's much easier than you would even think. I mean, I worked with a client for three months who came to me with, I think I've talked about her before, debilitating ulcerative colitis, which is an autoimmune condition. And she got off all medication, you know, just through some dietary tweaks. It wasn't a full paleo autoimmune protocol. Mm -hmm. It was a nutrient dense paleo diet, but then we were also focusing on sleep, on walking and on social connection. Mm-hmm. That all of those formed a completely different environment than she'd had before. And oh my gosh, she's traveling all over the world now and out there living her life. And again, that was not some egregious protocol mm-hmm. that she had to follow. Right. It, you know, that Just was a few different tweaks here and there. Absolutely. That, yeah. So it, it, it doesn't have to be as hard as I think we often think it will. Right. So absolutely. So what are some tangible ways that we could do this? So I think if you are someone, I mean, this, this applies to anyone, but especially if you're someone that you feel like I really can't make impactful changes on my health, this is where keeping an informal journal can be really helpful to help you make that link between any changes that you're making in terms of food, activity, sleep, and any health conditions, Mm -hmm. you know, or body composition that you're having. What I often see is that, so I'll be working with a client and they came to me with massive headaches or joint pain or rosacea, like a skin issue or something like that. Those will go away, but if they weren't kind of tracking what they were doing to resolve those issues, their brains don't make that link, Mm -hmm. right? And so you're less likely to stick with those habits right? because, you know, you just didn't correlate the two. So Mm -hmm. keeping a journal and then you notice, oh my gosh, my joint pain went away or, you know, my... GI symptoms have improved, then you've basically built a success formula. Yeah. And this is all about becoming the expert on ourselves. It's, this is like a scientific journal, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what this is. This isn't necessarily about your feelings, but sometimes things can go away and then we don't notice them anymore, but we forget about them and we don't know, you know, again, what we did. So Mm. That's a good point. Yeah. That's absolutely and, good point. And the next, you know, kind of part B of that is getting copies of all your lab tests. You know, most of us go in at least once, if not twice a year, and we get just some routine labs. Get a copy of those and keep them all together and then start to see, am I going in the right direction? Whether in terms of your cholesterol levels, your blood sugar you know, anything else that might've been off, you know, we're not getting obsessive about those, but you want to make sure that, okay, these lifestyle changes I'm making are, you know, taking me in the right direction. Right. And it's, it's another way just to feel empowered around your health. I love seeing this with clients Mm -hmm. when, you know, we'll, 
make some changes and in three months they go back and get their labs again and their HDL good cholesterol has gone up, their LDL small particle has come down, their blood glucose is, you know, leveled out. It's just really fun for them to see in hard numbers, in black and white, oh my gosh, this works and guess what? I did it. Absolutely. That is a powerful feeling. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah. And it's just something that I think for most of us, our brains can just wrap around that and really be able to say, okay, despite everything else, I can kind of see this. Um, and with that, the other piece of that, that I, I definitely know that you and I both kind of will, will kind of survey our clients on before we work with them is sometimes even how they're feeling emotionally. Um, I have like this whole inventory that I do with people and then I'll like bring it back out and I'll be like, fill this out again. Yes. Oh, and it's absolutely. so cool to yes. see that. And so that's part of this as well as celebrating those non-scale victories. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yes, sometimes it's the health indicators and sometimes it's stuff on the scale and sometimes it's, Hey, you, your mental state is completely different. Right. And so them filling that out is just such a, a, it's just a fun and beautiful experience where they yes. get to see the progress they've made. Mm-hmm. Even when sometimes I know, especially in my work, it's not always super tangible to see. Yes. And so having something like that, where they're able to kind of re go through it and compare how they were responding before is just so empowering for them. We just don't realize the impact that some basic lifestyle changes can have on our mood, on our hormonal balance, on our sex drive, on our mojo to just get things done, our positivity, our patience, right? And you're right. These things are not very tangible. And this is where kind of keeping a journal, you know, again, an informal journal about some of these things, just making a note so that you can highlight these things and be grateful Even if the scale isn't really moving, if you have a weight loss goal, Mm -hmm. be sure to highlight all of these other wins because that's going to keep you motivated to keep doing the work, to keep doing the things that are benefiting you. Right. And I mean, arguably, I mean, I know that for some people, definitely the weight is compelling because of a lot of different health issues. And I think for some people, when they're able to just realize that, hey, my sanity is worth doing this, I think that's very empowering too because- arguably having a better mental health state is worth it too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That is, that can be sometimes I think the thing that's even more powerful than the weight. Oh the my gosh. Moving. I mean, it's everything. And we have to remember that if our brain func- if we have brain fog and we're kind of anxious and depressed, guess what? We're not going to want to keep doing the work and every it's that parking brake. It's like driving down the highway with the parking brake on everything feels harder. So what we want to see is that those things are improving and then you can start doing the things that, you know, may lead to body composition changes over time. And that's, that's good too, but it's not the key piece, right? It's not the end all be all for sure. So we've kind of gone on and on as we occasionally do. We, we just, you know, every blue every, moon or every so. Every single time. Yeah. We <laughs> definitely can, can go on. We hope this is helpful. We are, yeah. we really are trying to talk about practical things that will make a difference for you. We're not just trying to ramble about, you know, things that have nothing to do with your goals. We want you to be able to feel empowered in your life, to be able to show up and, you know, do the work to live the way that you deserve to live. Right. right? And, and bring awareness to some issues that you probably just weren't even thinking about because yep. they are really subtle. 
Exactly. Exactly. So what we don't want is for you to have repeated cycles of trying and feeling like you failed Mm -hmm. because then you don't ever want to try again. So we're trying to help you set yourself up to be as successful as possible and to have as few things kind of hit you out of left field, you know, whether it's, you know, social events or, you know, subconscious self-limiting beliefs. Absolutely. So, so we hope this series was helpful. We would love your feedback. You know, our Facebook page is really the best way to leave a comment for us, but feel free to send us, you know, a message as well. But we'd really like to hear if you have other podcast ideas that we haven't covered yet, things Mm -hmm. that you're struggling with or you find challenging, we'd love to talk about that. Yeah. Or if there's anything that we've covered, but we didn't really dig deep into that you want us to kind of scuba dive in, then yeah, let's, let's dig deep and talk about those topics. We would love to hear from you. Yep. All right. Have a great week, everybody. Take care.